Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. It is your favorite podcaster, Mark Contreras, with your favorite podcast, Making a Cut. Happy Easter, everyone. Welcome on in. As always, you know where to find my podcast. My link is going to be on my Facebook. Of course, anywhere that you get your podcast, you can find me. So go check it out. Especially if you go to Spotify, you can go and click follow, and it's going to let you know, going to alert you when my next episode is going to be up anytime it comes up. And like I said, happy Easter. I have an Easter basket full of things that I'm going to be talking about tonight going on a sports Sunday here. So just to list them out, I'm going to have a little bit of NBA. That's right, NBA. A little bit of LSU baseball. Then I'm going to give you the Saints seven-round mock draft that I did. And I'm also going to give you a top 10. A top 10 that my daughter actually asked me to do a while back. And I've kind of flirted with it, with it. Uh, with y'all here and there and really never did it it was a a top 10 for you movie lovers and your marvel lovers it's going to be a top 10 of my top 10 favorite marvel movies and a little bit breaking news of breaking news from the nfl uh and so i'll I'll be hitting all of that for you but of course first we're going to talk a little bit about nba and on the nba i'm going to tell you this here i'm just going to be talking about the pelicans the Playoff bracket for the NBA has been announced this today, and uh, the Pelicans are in, I believe. I don't know. I didn't even look. But I was just thinking about it because there's been a lot of talk about Zion. Let me say this about Zion real quick, too. In case you didn't know, those of you who are Pelicans fans or NBA fans know. Those of you who are casual fans probably didn't know, but Zion Williamson, of course, it's been on the team at the beginning of the year. The Pelicans looked like it, the team to beat. At one point, they were the number one team in the Western Conference. And then all of a sudden, we started with the injuries to Zion yet again. And uh, just for just to take something in perspective here, not that I'm a James Harden fan whatsoever. Y'all know I think he kind of ruined the game even more than even Le- LeBron did with his, his double step back travel that nobody calls anymore. And, of course, he doesn't play defense whatsoever. But last year, your guy had a torn muscle, a torn hamstring, and tried to play still uh, for his team. And I know he's a different style of player. He's just going to set up and catch the ball and shoot the ball, shoot a three, etc. I know he's, you know, Zion, he needs to be able to jump and run, and etc. But Zion had a strain in his hamstring since January, the beginning of January. So it's now three months and he hasn't stepped foot on the court. He's been released for the doctors to be able to go play for well over a month now, and uh, he just he just keeps saying mentally he's not ready to go out there. So it kind of seems like we kind of have this same thing with like Michael Thomas. You know, he's kind of become the Michael Thomas of the Pelicans for us. For those of us who are Pelicans fans or even casual Pelicans fans, uh, casual NBA fans. Um, so it's it's just beginning to look like more and more some of the reports that come out each year, each offseason, where Zion doesn't want to be in New Orleans. It kind of gets that. I don't know if you noticed, but it's something about New Orleans. And, and listen, I'm not the biggest fan of New Orleans in my, in my own right. Um, there's other places I would prefer to be, even in Louisiana. Uh, so New Orleans is not quite my favorite place to go. I'm not trying to dog it, although the, you know, the criminal element there and the uh, – crooked politics and politicians down there it's you have that as well that that does not bring any allure from my liking that's for sure but 
when it becomes to when it comes to these uh, multimillionaire ball players, for some reason it, you have that where people don't want to be here, and you can go through a list where people didn't want to be here, especially for the Pelicans, uh, or even when they were the Hornets. You know, people were ready to go, ready to get away from from the team here, get away from the city. I mean, even Amari Cooper at one point when he was playing for Bam in a national title at uh, the Superdome was like, he hates New Orleans, it stinks. Yeah. You know, you can't say that. I, I agree, but you can't say that. I mean, it is what it is. Like, we, we still, if you're from Louisiana, you still got to try to take event. You got to take a little bit of offense to it because even though you may agree, like, you're you're from the outside. You can't give that critiquing. Like, it just, it's like a, a blow to us, too. We already know it's a black eye. You don't have to add to it and remind us and, you know, kind of pick the scab there for us, so to speak. But when you look at it, there's other players, man. Like Chris Paul kind of wanted to leave. He wanted to stay. Anthony Davis, uh, absolutely, the brow wanted to get out of here. He stopped playing and didn't want to play and was always injured with a toenail or, or you know, or his tennis shoe became untied or something. I don't know. His eyebrow got parted. I don't know. So you had that. You can even go back to Eric Gordon. Uh, those of you who are casual probably don't even know this guy and kind of rightfully so because this was a guy that got traded to the, the Hornets at the time, uh, maybe the Pelicans at the time, I can't even remember, and he didn't want to be here. It made it very, very well known that he didn't want to be here, and he had a scope on his knee, very simple knee procedure, <clears throat> and somehow he came to an agreement with, with this absolutely large uh, contract. Uh, that he was going to play every other game because he wanted to rest his knee in between. And uh, he hardly ever played when he was in New Orleans. And, uh, he, you know, he was just, I mean, it was like stealing money. Uh, and then, of course, he went on to Houston when ended up being the sixth man of the year immediately. It was like, oh, okay, you were well refreshed when you left here. Then, of course, y'all know, y'all have heard me say many times about Michael Thomas and, you know, his nonsense uh, you know, it, it, that's the reason why, rightfully so, his newest contract is a pay-to-play. Uh, I mean, uh, yes, absolutely pay-to-play. You don't get paid unless you play um, because we, we already know that the, before this contract was restructured, the last couple of years he only played the amount of games that it took for him to be able to get his contract, his guaranteed money out of his contract, so he wouldn't have to forfeit that. So, and then you see with Zion, you move on to him, and you have this same situation happening with Zion, and uh, and it just becomes a little bit all too familiar for those who are, are fans of any sports team in Louisiana and or any of the teams in New Orleans. Um, it, it just, it's almost sickening in a, in a point to where you're like, man, come on, just, if you don't want to be here, just go ahead and go. I mean, we wanted you to be here as our franchise people. Uh, we wanted you to be here. We support you through and through. But at the same time, we are we are a proud people. So if you turn your back on us, we're going to turn our back on you. And, you know, many of us, like myself, have turned our backs on Michael Thomas because, like, hey, man, you turn your back on us. And not only that, you use your mouth for it. Zion's not saying those things, but you still have that element like, man, you just don't want to play. I'm almost like bring out Escalade from and one who's like, He's like Zion, but a whole lot bigger. Like, bring him out to come play. At least he'll play. You, you know, he would pay. He would play for a lot less money, and you know, it. He would actually be on the court. Not saying that. that I mean, but he's got skills. Don't get me wrong. Not to saying that he's Zion, but I mean, a big old guy could take up room, can push people around, 
uh, you know, it, 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 you, you follow what I'm saying if you understand. If you don't know who Escalade from M1 is, go check it out. Um, and, and you can see the likeness between him and Zion in a sense too. Some of the people when Zion got here uh, to New Orleans put out memes and it was actually a picture of Escalade and they said Zion after he had gumbo in New Orleans. Uh, so, you know, uh, you, but uh, it, you can see what I'm talking about. If you pay attention at all, even if you're casual, you're kind of like, what's going on? Where's this superstar at? Most people, most casual fans, even Louisiana, who are uh, NBA fans, don't even really know who all is on the Pelicans team, but they do know Zion's on the team. And, you know, one of the highest record-selling jerseys, and uh, the guy just don't play. And so you, you kind of get that want, that that inside, that that ugh, feeling like, dude, man, get on the court or go somewhere. I mean, all this money that's being spent on you, you're just sitting on the sideline, and you're saying mentally you're not ready when the doctors have already cleared you. It's kind of, it's kind of frustrating. And and and, and I used the word sickening a minute ago because as a sports fan, you even if you don't go to the games and you're watching it on TV, your money's going towards that. And you're like, man, this is what I'm putting my money towards. This to this to these guys who don't want to go out there because the money's coming from uh, TV and etc. And every time you turn it on, uh, they're getting they're getting viewership. And so that money's still going there from you as well, even if you never go to a game. So don't don't think that you still have a say. So don't don't get me wrong. You're not a uh, you don't have a whole lot of say, but you still you can still complain and be like, man, this is where my money's going. This, this you know this is where my uh, my support is going as well. It, it doesn't make any sense. So you know it, it, it is frustrating. So moving on, I told you uh, one of the things I was going to talk about some breaking news in the NFL. Um, the breaking news is one I didn't see coming. Uh, OBJ signed with the with the Ravens. Uh, I don't know if this is going to get Lamar to stay there for whatever contract they got, but I can tell you this: Lamar has not been able to get any suitors because of his contract that he has. <coughs> excuse me, and nobody wanting to take the risk on, on on him as the most important position on the field with that contract. And, you know, and what they'd have to give up to get him and not be able to do anything but pay him and just watch him get demolished on their team, especially the teams that have uh, the trade capital to be able to get him. So it looks like they're possibly going to get him to stay there by bringing in OBJ. OBJ looked like he was going to go to the Jets because he was going to be part of that receiving crew that was going to be up there with Aaron Rodgers uh, if they finally ever get that trade done, which, by the way, is most likely looking like it's going to happen on draft night. I think I kind of alluded to that before. The same with being if there would be a trade with Lamar, it would probably be on draft night as well. So you can see that, but let, let me say this about OBJ and the reason why it's surprising to me, and uh, I don't I don't really understand the fit. Now OBJ was excellent his first go round with the Giants. What I mean by his first go round, meaning when he had a, a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback in Eli Manning. Uh, and the guy, and he was, it was healthy more of the time. He had less knee surgeries, et cetera, by that point. When he went on to Cleveland, you could blame it on Baker Mayfield all you want, but he also had more weapons there to be able to go to, to spread the ball out with. And he didn't excel very great there. He was, you know, he's more um, drama queen while he was there in Cleveland, making a, making a situation out of it. Uh, and then, then, of course, when he went to the Rams, when he went to the Rams, he was you had Cooper Cup on the other side, at, who at the time was the absolute best receiver in all of football. I mean, literally the best. He won the triple crown or the quadruple crown that year that OBJ got there later on in the season, by the way. 
and so he wasn't the number one guy. Yes, he put up some good stats. Yes, he was another option for Stafford, but he wasn't the number one guy. Uh, you had Cooper Cup over there who literally took up everybody else's defense. And so saying that, you're bringing him over to a franchise that is not really historically, even in their any of their career, outside of even when Joe Flacco was there, known for having a number one receiver that is a named receiver, a, a well-known named receiver who's going to excel and do th- great things there. It's just It's never really been there. They've never developed receivers coming out of their draft or even trades or pickups and free agencies, etc. They just really haven't done it. And since they had Lamar Jackson, since they drafted him, and it, rightfully so, and I congratulated them for uh, re- creating an offense that revolves around Lamar Jackson's skill set, uh, that's, that type of offense really doesn't set well for an OBJ personality, meaning a guy who wants the ball literally all the time. Uh, and may, who knows how he's going to be coming off another knee surgery. Uh, he didn't play at all last year, uh, at all. And maybe he's healthier than he's been in a long time. Maybe he's, he's lost his step. But you also have a guy, like I was saying, you have a guy who has to have the ball all the time from a team that absolutely doesn't throw the ball to a primary receiver hardly ever. Uh, it, it just doesn't happen. It's not even in their offensive playbook. Uh, and, and you've seen times where I could see some friction happen if Lamar stays there because uh, you even seen times there's highlights of Lamar having uh, Mark Andrews open in the end zone waving at him. He waves back at him and takes off running instead of throwing him a pass when he's wide open. Uh, and so you could have situations like that. It could be a blow up in a quick situation. I mean, you could have an OBJ and Lamar situation like T.O. and Donovan McNabb back in the day. You could see situations like that. So that was the breaking news. So I told you I had a mock draft for the Saints. It's a seven round mock draft. I'm going to go through that for you. I picked there. Just going to have to let you let you know. I picked, uh, you know, what's available with the computer picking other players uh, for each team and what was available for them and what would be the smarter picks with what was available. And so I'll break that down for you as I go through. So here we go. Starting out with the first pick in, in their first pick in the draft in the first round, the number 29 pick, I have the Saints tra- uh, drafting Brian Branch, the safety out of Bama. Now, safety is not a huge need, but with what's available there at that point, this is probably a guy that you can't really pass up. He's a top-rated safety in the draft right now. And the reason why he's a top-rated safety in the draft is because they believe he wasn't used to his fullest potential while he was there. Bama behind the defensive coordinator was there. So they believe that he has an opportunity to be like a Derwin James, um, a Honey Badger like it. Not not quite Honey Badger, but a Derwin James uh, or, or guys like that. Uh, so you, you, he's, he's a value pick there. And you also it almost... You, you know, I've been saying, yes, you need to get defensive line. You need to build up your defensive line because you have nobody there. Uh, and I'm going to get to that in a moment. They got, we, we got those positions filled, too. But this is a guy, when you look at the defensive secondary, uh, when you look at the, the safety position, really you have Marcus May, who really didn't pan out to uh, really excel the way that you need him to. He's pretty daggone good, but he wasn't there. And then you have Honey Badger on the side of him. Uh, Honey Badger really still did really good, uh, but – it was down on everybody's radar because he wasn't the honey badger of old, the honey badger of that we've uh, come to know because he's older and, and his, and his skill set's going to diminish more and more as it goes through. Uh, and, and, but like I said, he still led the team in tackles last year. And I think he was only out there with interceptions too. I didn't, I didn't check that, 
But you have another guy to be able to fill there that position. One of those guys goes down, he, he instantly comes in. But you also have a guy that can fill the void of uh, CJJ. Uh, I'm sorry, CGJ. Oh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, dead going it. Uh, which we, we kind of used right, but we didn't use him quite as well as the Eagles did when he put, when they put him at safety there. I mean, he was a beast last year. Six interceptions for Philly. So there's there you you realize hey we could have a situation back there where you got a guy that's getting six interceptions that or, or, or you know any interceptions that's huge, uh, especially the way that offense uh, moved last year. Even though you have a new a new quarterback in a, a more capable quarterback coming in this year, um, you know I, I still don't trust offensive coordinator. I just don't. You, you understand what I'm saying on there too. I, I just don't trust offensive coordinator. Uh, and, and it's there. So anyway, that's the pick that I have there. It's a safe pick. It's also a luxury pick. And I know luxury pick uh, is is kind of odd when you have so many needs to be able to be filled there. But as you follow with me here with the rest of the picks there, uh, I'm going to see, you're going to see that most of those areas are going to get filled. So it, it's going to get covered. Uh, this is a this is a good luxury pick. This is a guy that is not on a lot of people's radars in the first round because he's safety and safety is not a high need this year in the first round. This guy could be as good as Jamal Adams uh, in, in the NFL. Not, you, you, I mean, he's had his ups and downs. So I mean, you can see that uh, even at the best. Malcolm Jenkins when he was with Philly as well. So, you know, Malcolm Jenkins was never really good when he was playing for the Saints either time, but he's really good in Philly. So you, you have a guy that could be that good, that that could be his ceiling, uh, or, or even better, who, who knows. But anyway, moving on. At number 40 in the second round, we're drafting on the on the edge, an edge rusher here, Felix Anudike Uzoma. Yes, I'm not going to say it for you again, but he is an edge rusher from Kansas State. This is a guy that fills a need that's immediate already because you have uh, Granderson there. That's about it. And then you have Peyton Turner. That's And Peyton Turner, they can't decide if they're going to use him inside and outside. They need depth there. And you need somebody on the other side of Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan's up in the age. And so this is a smart pick for them with what's available. He's a top-rated edge rusher at this point in the draft going off of what everybody else picked. Moving on to the 71st pick. Going with linebacker here, uh, Dayan Henley, the linebacker from Washington State. Most draft boards have him as the number one rated linebacker in this draft. Uh, linebacker is not a huge um, role in this draft. There's, they're not really high on him, but most draft boards have him the highest. And if I find him there at the 71st first pick, when some of them still have him going even in the first round, that would be a huge value pick. Uh, it's not necessarily a, a uh, luxury pick like Branch was in the first round uh, because you do have DeMario Davis. Uh, you do have the other guy, I can't think of his name, but Caden Ellis is gone. So you have a void there that you need to fill. And this is a guy that can come in and, 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 and contribute and learn from the leadership of DeMario Davis. It could be huge. Could turn him into a perennial uh, pro bowler going forward. Honestly, could be a great pick, especially there at 71. Moving on to the 115th pick. The there, I told you we're going to be filling gaps here. This is a guy that's going to be a still of the draft, depending on where he goes. Going to a good defensive minded team and with the Saints would be great for him. A lot of people don't know him because of where he played ball in college. Talking about Carl Brooks, the defensive lineman from Bowling Green. This is also a guy that could play inside and outside. Um, so the, it, it, you got a lot of value in this guy, especially at this pick at 115. 
Uh, it's not a reach for him because he's actually scheduled to go a lot further than that in most drafts and some of them even further there. So it's not a stretch. I mean, I mean, even sooner, not further. So it's not a stretch for him at all. It's a guy that can come in and really surprise a lot of people and, and take advantage of opportunity to play right off the bat. At the 146th pick, I have um, I have the Saints drafting a running back, and this is the top available running back still left on the board. This is a guy that doesn't have a lot of tread uh, worn down on him, wasn't used a whole lot. It come out of high school as the one of the top, if not the top uh, rated running back in the, in the nation. Bounced around a little bit in college, ended up at Ole Miss and didn't really shine there. He was going to be the feature back, but they got a, an absolute beast uh, in a freshman there last year in Ole Miss. And I'm talking about, uh, so he, he's in enter, entering a draft. He's kind of falling down the boards because of that. But this is a guy that's a, a big talent. He could be like a Pierce over in Houston because he didn't have a lot of he didn't have a lot of hits on his body, a lot of a lot of touches. So this is a guy that can come in and instantly uh, revive the running game. When I say revive the running game, I don't mean the running game has really been sucking. But when you look at the situation, you do have Camara who's going to have a four to six game suspension sometime during this season. Uh, and look, he's getting older too. In football years, he's he's almost ancient, and he's got a big contract coming up. Well, not contract, but already there. Not not coming up, but already there. And then you have Jamal Williams, who has a pretty nice penny coming on his contract. He's coming in, but he's an older guy. He's been in the league for quite a few years now. Coming out of BYU, went to Green Bay for a few years, and then came up and went to Detroit for a few years. So in football years, he's on up there as well. So you bring in a young, fresh guy like this, that uh, especially at this pick, at this value, it could be huge for you. You could be your third hit, the third hit on this monster, uh, or even second hit on the monster when uh, Kamara suspended. And you could see a guy moving on in the forward that can possibly take the torch going forward as well. I think that would be a smart pick if he is there at that point with the other running backs that I would prefer over him already gone. Moving to 165 pick. Like I said, we're filling that defensive line. We're going with Ja'Kalen Roy from LSU. Yes, the Saints are going to draft an LSU guy here in this mock draft. I know that doesn't happen too often. But finding they fit for the need there. Uh, and this guy is there sitting there looking at you in the, in the face if he's still there. You have a need there. You're very thin on the on the defensive line. You have a guy that can play on the interior side there, and Ja'Kalen Roy. This is this would be a smart, smart pick. So, And listen, it's not Sean Payton, so there's not an Ohio State guy there in this point to be able to for Sean Payton to pick anyway, even if he would be here, so it would be a smart pick for him. Moving on to the 227th pick in the draft. I have them taking Jackson Kirkland. He's an offensive tackle from Washington. Uh, you really haven't fit that role of Armstead being gone. You have the first round draft pick from last year. Uh, he really didn't had you know penalty issues. Uh, you know stayed injured most of the season. Gave up some sacks, and then you have Ramchek on the other side, who's getting up there in age and you know it's coming up closer to another contract for him, even though we just put up one for him. And uh, so either way, you need depth. As we saw last year, you definitely need depth on the offensive line. And, and this is this would be a smart draft, especially here for this value in the draft. This late in the draft could be huge. And moving on to the last pick that they have. Notice I didn't do any trades here. I just did what, what picks that they have at this moment. And those of you who watch the Saints historically know, especially with Mickey Loomis, we trade up in the draft. Wasting draft picks and getting people that we didn't need and wasting, you know. So I, I, I'm not the general manager here, nor Jeff Ireland here. Uh, so 
it, it's most likely not going to happen this way, but this would be a smart draft for him. But the 257th pick, I have them get the Alex Forsteth, the inf- interior offensive lineman for, from Oregon. This guy can instantly come in and this and some of the boards. He's falling down the draft boards, and I don't really know why he's falling down as, as far as he has. But this was a guy that was rated extremely high at the beginning of the year. Also, last year coming into this draft, knowing he was going to be draft eligible this year, um, this is a guy that was really high, so I'm not really sure why he dropped down the draft boards. But if you get him there, this is a guy who's automatically going to boost the Andrews Pete situation that's there. Comes in, or, or even Cesar Ruiz, comes in automatically and could probably, in the seventh round, take their position from them. This is a guy that I would be very high on. I'd be excited to see. So as you can see, I, I didn't draft with the, the Saints brass way of thinking. I drafted as... Uh, a general manager is looking to fill all of the needs and the holes that we have. I didn't have us drafting a quarterback. What, what sense would it mean to draft a quarterback right now? Honestly, you have a guy uh, in Derek Carr that's at least two years there. Uh, another receiver could possibly work, but you have some receiver guys on it. And if Michael Thomas, with his pay-to-play contract, actually shows up and becomes the Michael Thomas that he was before the air quotes injuries, uh, then, then you're already set there. I didn't look at tight end, but you most likely can get an undrafted free agent at tight end here too. So there's, you understand what I'm saying. A lot of drafts have the Saints having cornerback as a top need, which it's really not. You have Marshawn Lattimore still there, and then you have Paulson Debo, and you also have uh, uh, Taylor there as well from Tennessee, Alante Taylor. So, I mean, that's not really a need, uh, honestly. So I don't know why they keep putting that as a top need for them. Uh, obviously, they're not paying attention unless they're looking to see. I, I still don't know. Anyway. Moving on, without further ado, I told you I was going to have a top 10 coming back, and I do have one. This is one for my daughter, the one that she's been asking for, it, and also for movie fans and Marvel fans. My top 10 Marvel movies. And as you notice as I go through them, you'll kind of see the trend here. Um, when I say the trend, uh, I didn't really like Phase 5. There's, there wasn't much on Phase 5 that I really liked. Shang-Chi was pretty good, but pretty much other than that, Black Widow was pretty good. I think if it would have been made in phase four, three, or two, then it would have been a lot better made and it would have been even better than what it was. Uh, so Black Widow didn't make it, Shang-Chi didn't make it. Those would have been the top two in phase five. And of course, phase six is just starting to roll out. Haven't seen any of those yet, so I don't know how good they are. Hopefully they're being redeemed from what phase five was, which kind of caused the franchise to go downhill a good bit. But as you can see, I hope you're following with me. I'm going to start from 10 and go up to 9 to let you know what my top 10 Marvel movies are. Um, before I start my, my top 10, my, my daughter already knows what my number one is. And anybody around me uh, knows what my number one is. But starting off at number 10, uh, my 10th favorite movie in all of the Marvel series movies, Avengers Age of Ultron. And that was one of the ones for a while was down. But after a few times that I've watched it over and over, I, 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 if it comes on TV and, I ha- and it happens to be on, I end up sitting there watching it thinking I didn't really like this one. But I, I catch myself watching it and thinking this one's way funnier than I thought it was going to be. It is actually really good. And it's one that I still uh, still love a lot. Moving up to number nine is... What am I? I think this one's actually my daughter's favorite movie, but there's a part of it that there's a little bit of a dancing scene that she absolutely loves doing. It's Iron Man 3. Um, 
Tony Stark in this one is pretty daggone funny. Oh, he's funny in most of all the movies, but this one here, there's a little dancing scene for Christmas when he's getting ready. It's absolutely hilarious. Me and my daughter love it. I think that's the reason why it's on my list. Uh, one and two really doesn't, doesn't really, it, it, you know, if, if you're a huge Iron Man fan and I just told you that one and two aren't on my list and you get offended, I apologize. Still stay through to see what, what, what my top 10 is. And you can always let me know what yours is if you want to as well. Moving on to number eight, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, this one here out of the Captain America movies is it tends to be the one I would prefer to watch. The first one, uh, the uh, first Avenger, is pretty good. It's, it's not one that I want to just throw on. As a matter of fact, if we go through the series, watching them all in, in chronological order and stuff, it's one I kind of snooze through when we're going through it. Uh, and then, of course, Civil War. That one's pretty good. You, you have your uh, other characters coming in. Uh, you, you know, Spider-Man, etc. But the fight at, in, between Stark and uh, and Captain America, you know, it, it's cool and all, but it's not really my favorite. Uh, I understand it unfolds for more of the storyline, but it's not really my favorite. Captain America Winter Soldier is because of the way the introduction is with Winter Soldier. It's really cool to me. Moving on to, the, to number seven, The Avengers, the first Avengers movie. Who doesn't love that one? Who doesn't even love like the, the exit credits where they're all sitting around eating shawarma? in the restaurant you know many means that uh that come out and said the church uh, the the church staff after easter service ironically it's easter right uh that one's one of my all-time favorites as well too so moving on up to number six the black panther black panther really is one of my favorite movies in the marvel series uh, wakanda was okay they did a pretty decent job and i think i don't know if that one falls underneath uh, phase uh five or five phase six but it was pretty good it just wasn't one uh that you know just really stuck out and i'm gonna say i'm gonna go watch that one a ton of times black panther really was uh you know of course i do like creed being in there and i like michael b jordan being in there i wish he wasn't a bad guy but he did an amazing job with it and uh that that was made during a time where the series all the writers all the producers all of them were on the same page and it just fit and it was a great movie number five ant-man listen man uh, <sighs> Ant-Man is absolutely hilarious to me. The uh, whether it's whether it's the uh, Spanish guy, I can't think of his name. That's the best friend who just keeps on talking. Uh, that's in the movie Chips, etc. Or the lead character, uh, Ant-Man himself. Uh, dude, it's absolutely hilarious. The second one's great too. Ant-Man and Wasp is great, especially at the end where the ant is playing the drums by himself. But I really like the first one better. Uh, that's one that if it comes on, I'm probably going to sit down and crack crack up and laugh and watching as well. As you notice, a lot of these are ones that that have the humor. Uh, content in it that really make me laugh at so you can kind of see which ones are going to be my favorite ones going forward because that's at number five uh, but that that i love the action parts of it i love the storyline on on all of them how they build to the next one but i also like the comedy uh the quirky co comedy stuff that's not too over the top not trying too hard to be funny like thor love and thunder was that one there was just a ruining for me uh, i was so excited about that movie and it was ruined it was ruined for me it was just too trying too hard to be funny and really not basing it off a storyline it was just kind of aimless and it and it just kind of sucked anyway so moving on to number four guardians of the galaxy bringing in star lord for the first time uh this movie was absolutely great who doesn't win uh, who doesn't love uh, a storyline where you win a battle of saving the galaxy by a dance-off what absolutely hilarious and so that that one there was great building on the storyline how you fit the guardians of the galaxy in, into um the rest of the avengers moving forward 
absolutely loved it. Uh, number three, Avengers Endgame. I loved that one, but it's one that uh, after I've seen it quite a few times, it kind of it kind of fell down to number three for me. Uh, you know, one of the funniest parts were uh, the dad bod Thor was absolutely hilarious. But after I watch it over and over, I, I, I kind of like I don't like that part of it. There's some build up to it. It takes a little bit longer. But the fight scene at the end, um, the, you know, the whole ending of the movie where the fight and all that stuff, uh, tearjerker. Uh, also, you know, the overcoming battle at the end of it is so awesome to me. Um, I absolutely love it. It's one of those things. It's kind of like watching a, a, a motivational uh, video or listening to a motivate. You could just feel that or watching a, a, your favorite team win uh, a game. It, you just feel that build up as it's coming. Absolutely amazing. Um, Absolutely love it. So that's why it's still number three for me. My number two, Avengers Affinity War. At first, when I first watched this movie, I absolutely hated it. And that, t- that should tell you something about this movie. Um, and, and, and that phase, phase one, two, and three, how it laid out. Because I was absolutely upset when all the people died at the end of it. Because I had no idea. I wasn't keeping up with all the message boards knowing that there was another movie coming. And... Uh, but the more that I watch it, I absolutely love it. There's a lot of great comedy in there. Uh, if you know, if you need to go back and watch it, it's it's a lot of great comedy parts in it. A lot of great storylines. They did a great job of piecing it all together. Uh, I, I hope they can come back to that at some point. And then my number one, of course, my daughter knows this. Everybody in my household knows this. Just about everybody knows me that knows that I am a Marvel nerd. Knows that this is my favorite movie, and it's Thor Ragnarok absolutely hilarious movie um when i first watched it i thought this is another one that was going to ruin the series um and i I thought it was going to suck and when i watched it i absolutely loved it and i was afraid that they were going to bring in the the comedy part there a little bit too much like they did in love and thunder i know that love and thunder wasn't way until way out follow with me i i I thought that that was how they were going to do it but i absolutely love this movie I could watch it over and over and over. It's been plenty of times where I've I've turned that movie on, Thor Ragnarok, to go to sleep to. I, I'm not lying. I've done it many, many times. So that's my favorite. I will say this. for If you're a Marvel fan and you have not watched, and it's, it's also on Disney Plus now, if you have not watched Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I encourage you to do so. If you're a Marvel fan, especially the first three phases, one, two, three, where you had the best movies there, which is all these are in that list, I encourage you to go watch that. You will realize as you're watching it, with every series, it's going to take a little bit of a buildup for you, and they got some weird stuff with it. But for the most part, it keeps you captivated. And for a huge part of it, it follows in the timeline of the movies. And so you can watch them. If you're watching in chronological order, the movies, you could throw in there... Um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and it'll flow right in with it, and uh, and, and it would be great. So, on that, I hope you I hope you like my, my top 10, because I finally broke it out after years. Uh, if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you, but you can let me know what yours is. I did tell you I was going to say a little bit about LSU baseball, because I forgot to say it earlier. Uh, you know, this weekend, they had a tough series against South Carolina, up in South Carolina. Skeen shown that, showed that uh, on Thursday night that he is human, that uh, he can be hit. South Carolina hit him around. There came a, a lightning delay uh, for an hour or so. And then when it came back in, LSU really got slapped around. And then the second game came through, and LSU had a huge comeback. Uh, Gavin Dugas with a grand slam to bring him back in to tie the game up, I believe. 
and they ended up winning by one run, I believe it was. I, I had I didn't get it back to check, uh, and then the third game got canceled. Uh, with that, I, I don't know what the polls are going to be uh, at that point. When you when you lose one, the whole series is not played. That could that could determine some stuff, especially in seeding later on in the season. Um, but uh, Ar- uh, excuse me, South Carolina was ranked sixth in the nation. LSU is one. Uh, if it if it causes LSU to fall any, they'll fall to just number two and wait for us to take number one, uh, unless they had a horrible weekend, which I didn't I didn't check up on that. So there's my LSU baseball news for you too. I told you I was going to get to it. But as always, thank you so much for your listens. Uh, you know, happy Easter to you. I hope you had a great Easter, you and your family. Hope you had family time with it. Uh, I thank you for your support. Thank you for your listens. It means the world to me. Uh, and as always, you know where to find me. My link is going to be on my Facebook. And, of course, anywhere that you get your podcast, you can find me. So signing off for this week's Sports Sunday, this is your favorite podcaster, Mark Atreira, with your favorite podcast, Making a Cut.